Welcome to this episode of Bob Cooney's VR Deep Dive Podcast. In this series, Bob connects you with some of the leading innovators and thinkers in location-based VR. And you had two of these arenas set up in Orlando, right? So you were able to put 12 people through at a time? Correct. Is that, yes. Yes. Right? At different queues. So there was a, an, a, an arena, an, an alpha arena and a beta arena. Okay. And then I've played the power play game, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but, and I played, I think three rounds over about a 15 minute total period, but you guys were, I'm assuming because of the high throughput, you were one, running one like round. single round, shorter one, one games. Round, three minutes. Three minutes and team based. Yeah, player versus right? player. How many people were you able to put through? Can um, you say? All we can say is we we put through a few thousand folks. Awesome. In how many days? Over three In days. three days. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So one of the raps about VR is that you know, oh, you can't do throughput. Well, there you go. There's some bullshit right there. So you know, in a fairly small space, you know, 2,500 square foot plus queuing and whatever. You're talking about putting through several thousand people over a three-day period. And so I think that's remarkable. I think we're going to see more and more of that as people figure this out. Is Now, how much equipment do you have to have? Because putting on a backpack, taking off a backpack, in order to do three-minute turns, how many sets of three well, again, did you have? Well, this goes back to our experiences as being operators and working with large companies in, in the LB space for a while. We do this thing called a set A, set B. So while set A is already playing in the arena, set B is suited up and ready to go. So it's just this constant, yeah. like, you know, change in, change out, change in, cha- change out. It's very efficient. Yeah. In the Halo game, because Joe Pulte is asking about projectiles and stuff like this. And I know 343 Studios, which, you know, is the, is the owner and curator of the Halo brand within Microsoft now, were involved in this. How accurate were like the gun models and the project? Like, did you get to switch between actual guns? Was there one gun? And and if yes or no, why? What was the what were some of the this, limitations? This experience that? was based on the plasma pistol. And that was yep. what we worked out with 343 Industries. We worked very, very closely with 343 Industries and collaborating with them to yeah. make sure they were super happy. And in fact, they were here on a constant basis, play testing, going through our work, signing off on it, going through everything. We actually even had at least one original Bungie person who went into the experience yeah. and was just amazed. And for those of you who don't know, Bungie was the original creator of Halo and then through a whole bunch of corporate bullshit, you know, there's a history there you can read on Wikipedia if you're really interested. So, and so there's a new game coming out. So what's 343 Studios thinking when they, when they come to you with this or you, or however it happened, like what's their strategy behind this? Well, again, I mean, this, this speaks to everything that um, we've done with all our big partners that all these big guys that I mentioned earlier have come to us because they know that we can do something tremendous and that we can do it fast and we understand schedules and we understand fun. And so again, just like with other companies, when they were kind of reviewing the VR um, landscape, they came to us because they knew that we were the ones that could execute on the vision and make this happen. Now there's a new Halo game coming up though, right? So from a consumer marketing strategy, this whole tour like is about 
prepping for a new Halo launch coming up? What's the, have they announced? Like, I, to be honest, I didn't go to E3. I'm, I'm not following the consumer market anymore. So, so I'm up to here in VR and I can't keep track of everything. But what's the tie-in of this from a strategy standpoint for Halo? Again, that's a really great question for, for 343 Industries. You know, we're happy just to be their VR partner, their VR partner and Hershen's VR partner yeah. um, in this traveling show. You guys make a really good corporate partner because you stick to the scripts. And that's probably one of the reasons these big companies like working with you. Me, on the other hand, I don't have a script. I just say whatever the hell I want. And so to me, it makes total sense that what these big brands are doing is they're figuring out how to leverage location-based VR, which is kind of in the zeitgeist, right, to launch these global properties. And I think it makes sense. And I think you're going to see more and more and more of it. And so there's another example of that recently, a company called Positron Voyager, who I'm a fan of did a how to train your dragons demo with Walmart and DreamWorks. So they brought these semi-trailers with these 360 video chairs. You could watch a VR movie of how to train your dragon as part of the launch for how to train your dragon three. And so you're going to see more and more and more of these happening. And it's going to be a way that it's going to broaden the appeal of VR in general, but it's also going to be, you're going to see more and more opportunities. I'm certainly for your company that like knows how to stitch this together and work with big brands and big companies that might be a little more leery about working with a startup who, you know, might not seemingly have all their shit together. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, really to what I want to, the message I want to bring to the audience out there is, you know, you know, we've been working with these, with these very large companies and, and doing these big projects and doing these big custom projects as well. You know, we want to bring that we bring those learnings to other folks as well. So we work with everybody else in the industry. And, and it's important to, to note that, that, you know, we take what we've learned, we've extract game mechanics, extract operator learnings, extract business learnings to bring yeah. over to the FEC market as well. So let's talk about game mechanics. So I'm a big proponent of of games, <laughs> but real games, not just tech demos, right? And there's a lot of tech demos, you know, in the VR space that, you know, one of the problems is VR makes a great demo. And so people make demos and they think, oh, everybody loves it. They're going to make a product. They don't actually understand right. game design. And, and so one of the things when I've, I've played, the first time I played Power Plan, I want to, I want to pivot to that a little bit. So the Halo game is based on your power play mechanic, yeah. right? And so power play for the audience is a kind of an, it's, it's basically yep. laser tag in VR. It's three on three or four on four or in two, a fairly small space, 30 by 30 yep. or two on two, right? So, so it's really scalable in space. And I played it for the first time at IAPA. Was it yeah. this last year? Did you launch it? Yeah, at, in 2018. And what I loved about it were the different game mechanics, right? So there's a bunch of core loops in this game. So like, first of all, there's shoot the enemy, right? Then there's how do you power up? You have to play Pac-Man. You got to like connect these little energy dots and pick them up on the floor, which reloads your weapon. So you have more power. So you've created multiple core loops, which add complexity, but it's still simple enough to learn how to play. It forces you to move. You can't just sit in one space and snipe, which is how I play laser tag. So I think that one of the things I loved about the game was that it was a game and you really thought it through and there's just not enough of that in the industry. And so I just want to, I just want to congratulate you guys for that work. You're doing really good work on game design and we need more of that. Thank so, you so much. Well done. We appreciate that. And it means a lot. It's coming through. Yeah. And so power play, you've promoted it as esports, right? And so I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here, which is 
there's a lot of companies that are co-opting the word esports and they're calling a PVP game, player versus player, an esport. And there's a lot more that makes esports an esport, yep. right? And so talk about what your view of esports is. And we've done this a little bit on panels too, but let's just start there. Like, what do you think well, makes it, an esport? You know, actually, and I, and I just want to preface this. An interesting thing that we've even gotten commented from Dave and Busters is that they see that it's something even beyond esports. They see it, and we've talked about in our press materials, that this is actually true sport in VR. So it's even something beyond esport because it is so physical. It is so intense. I mean, you are out there playing a real game, you know, one-to-one. You lose yourself. You forget that you're on this, you know, stadium in the future, and you just go at it. And so people come out, and I think, Bob, you came out this way too, panting and sweating. And, I mean, you are just going and playing a sport in VR. And we've had some folks say to us, Actually, when we've had Microsoft come and visit, it's the first real VR experience that they actually felt comfortable to run and be physical in and do all the actions that you would normally do outside of VR, which is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, in all fairness, like I think the other company that's there, there's two other companies that I think have done a really good job on the high end of this. One was was Polygons from Neurogaming. I thought their competitive PvP game was really, really good. And it was like super immersive and really got into it. And, and other, I've played it with other kind of hardcore VR guys and, and they did too. But again, like we can talk price-wise, it's expensive. It's a quarter of a million bucks, right? And then I think, you know, I think Soul Raiders from Zero Latency is playing in that space. And they've done a good job with multiple core play mechanic or core loops too, where you have to shoot each other, but then you also have to like, there's a capture the flag mission or a, or this power thing that you have to push to the other side. And so like really seeing the, the elite companies in the space step up the gameplay, which hopefully all the little guys can learn from and elevate the quality of the game experience. Um, yeah. Like and I mean, that. the thing is, is we think of the whole esports package. So the whole idea of, you know, again, AMP is what is powering all this, but leagues, tournament yep. play, you know, shoutcasting, the whole idea. Shoutcasting. Let's, not, let's, let's just talk about shoutcasting. So, so when I played power play and you had a shoutcast, I played power play at IAPA and I don't think there was a no. shoutcaster. And then I played it again when you had a shoutcaster. And it was an entirely different experience for me. It was an order of magnitude better for me as a player. And so talk about, for those who like, don't know what a shoutcaster is, what's a shoutcaster and how do you enable that in your platform? So um, a shoutcaster, I mean, really is just like a sportscaster, you know, um, is, the, is the most relatable concept. That shoutcaster yeah. is, is calling the Play-by-play play guy, right? Play-by-play commentary. Really lends a dynamic element, a very exciting element. I mean, you know, for example, it's like, oh, Sally just made a sweet headshot on Mark. But then Mark comes back, takes Sally out. Mark is now on a knockout street. Holy moly, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And what it does is it elevates it from a game to a sport. Exactly. For me, as, an, as a patron, it has absolutely changed the game. And so what kind of tools do you guys give operators to be able to, or will you give operators to be able to implement that in their business? Because I think it's a game changer. Uh, Definitely. Well, I mean, 
We very much are very customer focused. So we support our customers greatly. And part of that is not only in our training. So training goes just beyond like, oh, helping you install and getting it set up and or anything like, you know, regular support issues, but also training to be really fantastic operators um, using our experience in the industry. And some of that too is different types of guides. So, um, you know, game operator guides, really giving them details of the ins and outs of the game, but also with power play, and that we also did for training grounds, a shoutcasting guide. And the shoutcasting guide goes into the details of what to look for in the game, some example language to use. So really, anybody who's, you know, got a good, you know, is very dynamic, is energetic, using, you know, our guides and our training could get up to speed doing some awesome shoutcasting yeah. immediately. And for operators out there, I know Steve Grubbs was doing this in, at Paradigm Esports in um, Davenport, Iowa. He's worked with the local university to find interns that come in and help him when he's running their tournaments. And now every university, every college campus has an esports yep. program, either for credit or not for credit. Some of them are even on scholarships now. And so working with the local university to find interns that want to come in and help you produce these events is a really Absolutely. low cost way. Uh, absolutely. And, and just super fun. And, and as you said, it just elevates the experience and just turns yeah. it into something more spectacular. Now, the other thing that I think you guys have is this ability to stream those videos and those games to digital platforms like Twitch. So is that something that's built into the product, into the PowerPlay product or the AMP platform? Yes. Like where does it sit? And how does an operator Yes, use and that? well, we have this thing called Player Zero, and Player Zero is our spectator mode. And so this also gives great engagement because, you know, it's also, it's not just for, about the players, it's for the spectators too. And, you yeah. know, what, what we've seen at other venues where our systems are installed at, that you get people that just are, are you know, buying drinks all day and, and watching the show. So it's great for the venue because if they're not getting the money from players paying for the experience, they're getting the money from their food and beverage part of the venue. And you guys know I talk about spectation a lot and how important it is in the spectator mode. You know, I've been a big fan of Tower Tags. I think they've put a lot of effort into their spectator mode. And I think you guys have as well, which is where the worst thing you can do is just show a first person right. view of somebody's headset. Like just you are better off showing like soap opera reruns on that screen, right? And so a really high quality spectator view with a yep. shout caster, that combination can be really, really powerful. But then how do you stream that? Yeah, like, what just, do they have to do? I just do? want to say that, like, yeah, like with our player zero, and it, you know, you can like customize it in any way you want. But typically what we've recommended, you know, to folks is, you know, you've got the, the in VR game experience, you've got then... With a webcam, you have like the actual physical analog of the players running around because people love that. They think it's cool. You can broadcast also the shoutcaster's yep. face on player zero um, and then have different logo treatments as well. And the thing is with our player zero, it's manual and automated. So it goes through different cinematic angles, first person, third person, rotator views. But the operator can take control of that as well to really focus in on very specific things that they want to show off to spectators. 
So you go to you go to the local esports program at the college, and esports is part computer gaming, but it's also a broadcasting business, right? And you find the guy that knows how to do the director suite, and you have the guy that's the shoutcaster, and now you have a two-person team that is creating like this live broadcast. And then like, do they have to have like, would the operator set up a Twitch channel for their location and then yeah, stream Twitch that to Mixer, Twitch? Or- you know, whatever is there, you know, they want to do, do all of it. Um, you know, even stream it to, again, if they have a bar in their venue, stream it to televisions in their bar as well. So for people sitting around there. Yeah. And then also because of the OBS recording system, you know, they can also then download players' games to um, a USB stick and upsell those as well. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with OBS, OBS is kind of like this open source. I don't know if it's open source or not, but it's a like an industry standard video production suite that allows you to record multiple camera angles into a channel and then it stitches it all together in some kind of software magic. And so so you've integrated OBS yes, into the suite. That's correct. Is that what you've done? Interesting. Yep. And then, cool. you know, obviously we do our you know, we do our own little special magic to, to kind of customize and make things, you know, look really pretty and and depending yeah. on who the vendor is. Yeah. Now Dave and Busters is testing this as well, right? Yep. So that's public information in I think a store correct. in Tampa. And what's the configuration and what can you talk about there? Because I know they tend to be a little tight-lipped, but what uh, can you are, say about They um, are using our VRcade Arena League and they are using it in our 30 by 30 sizing. Okay, so it's backpacks Backpack and it's um, Lighthouse 2.0, right? And how many players can you get out of a Lighthouse 2.0 system? You said um, six? I mean, we can get like more than that. Like, so, you know, um, okay. you, you know, upwards to eight and so forth. But in this smaller configuration we say in the 30 by 30 four to six is the recommended because we also look at health and safety factors not just squishing people in but you know really educating people and customer experience you know why a game fits to this type of people why you know you have to look at safety gutters so we look at all that stuff versus just going oh yeah let's just throw all these people in there for the sake of doing that now, one of the things I've heard about this this installation is that this is actually they're testing this in a in kind of a multi-purpose space, which is really interesting, right? And because there's a lot of space in FECs that's underutilized, but utilized, right? And so what are they doing? Can you talk about like where they've put it and what type of space this can go well, into? Um- I'd like to just talk, I guess I'd just like to talk in general versus like what specifically they have done. But yeah, okay. I mean, for folks out there, this works really well in a multifunction, multi-event room. So yeah, as Bob said, those spaces where, hey, maybe, you know, people have birthday parties in these rooms or corporate events, these can also double as setting up you know, our more flexible space arena. So you can generate much more revenue from that space that it doesn't ever sit idle. And it's literally just like really unlike, you know, the Windows Mixed Reality system with Inside Out, where you have to put markers and, you know, masking tape on the walls and the floors. This is literally just lighthouse trackers, which are totally inconspicuous mounted up near the ceiling, right? So you can put this in a conference room and no one would know it's there when you're not using it. That's the end of part two of this interview. Part three is up next.